From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Since 2018, West Papuan separatists have engaged in a violent conflict with Indonesian security forces as part of a long-running battle for independence. Indonesian soldiers on the offensive against what they call criminal gangs in the remote Papua province. The West Papuan campaign for independence stretches back decades, but recent crackdowns by Indonesian forces on human rights and press freedom have led to escalating tensions. Gunfire and chaos erupts on the streets of Wamena. The independence movement now relies heavily on activists disseminating news of what's happening on the ground. But some of those activists are now being targeted. Today on 7am, Zach Schumer on the woman who fought back and by doing so became an enemy of the state. Zach, can you tell me a little bit about your interest in doing this story? Sure. So I moved to Indonesia in 2014, shortly after Jokowi had won the election, and I started working as a sub-editor at the major English-language newspaper, the Jakarta Post. And through doing that, I became aware of Veronica because it was hard to really know about West Papua without being aware of Veronica. And then uh, maybe only a, a few months ago, someone mentioned to me, oh, did you know she's in Australia? And I was like, what? They were like, yeah, she did her master's there and she's, like, in exile. I'm, I'm Veronica Coman. I'm a human rights, Indonesian human rights lawyer. So Veronica Coman grew up in Jakarta, Indonesia's capital. I've been raised in a conservative a Chinese ethnic minority family, which means that, like, we were raised to be uh, not getting any trouble I used to be very uh, nationalistic, particularly when I was in high school. I have tattooed that it's Indonesia on my wrist. Uh, like the, the, the philosophy is that Indonesia is running through my veins. She had studied law and she landed her first job in one of Indonesia's largest corporate law firms. Uh, it was actually the, uh, considered as number one corporate law firm in, in Indonesia. As it turned out, working for that firm's mining and project division ended up radicalising her. This is not right. Is this what you are all doing uh, against the environment and indigenous people? So I <laughs> crossed to the other side. <laughs> she left and started working for, it's called um, Lembaga Bantuan Hukum, which is the Indonesian Legal Aid Foundation, which is also functions as a sort of hub of progressive activism in Jakarta and other cities. What brought Veronica into the West Papua campaign was an incident in 2014 in the central highland regency of Paniai. Security forces opened fire on villagers who were performing a traditional dance, which is their way of showing anger against the military. To put it in context, Paniai incident was only one of many alleged human rights violations that have occurred over the last two decades. A 2018 Amnesty International report recorded that 95 suspected unlawful killings by Indonesian security forces had taken place in West Papua in the previous eight years. I was shocked. Like, if that killings happened in Java, the whole country would uh, would be outraged. But why, why was there no outrage uh, even among activist community? 
Veronica was so shocked by the lack of outrage among her fellow Indonesians that she began to devote herself to the Papuan cause. Okay, so since then, what has Veronica been doing? What does devoting herself to the cause look like? She's represented a lot of Papuan activists in court cases where they've been accused of things like treason or incitement. But as a political activist, Veronica, I guess, became pretty Twitter famous in Indonesia. I think she's got like 98,000 followers or something. So she sort of began to regularly post videos and news about events in Papua or like signal boost posts by other Papuan activists. She's just a good communicator. She's like witty and acerbic and fearlessly critical of um, the police and military. And you increasingly saw her videos used in media stories about the protest. It's uh, a target the only indigenous Papuans are still happening almost on a daily basis. Her posts have been instrumental in breaking a number of cases that have led to sort of international outrage. So I guess you could say that she acted as a sort of conduit for information that Papuans share with her and then she shares with a wider audience. So it was this approach then that brought Veronica to the attention of Indonesian authorities. Was there a particular trigger for that? So the incident happened on the eve of Indonesian Independence Day in 2019. A flagpole which was flying Indonesia's national flag was discovered wrenched down outside a Papuan student dormitory in East Java. And a crowd of local residents, some sort of nationalist and Islamic organisations, and even a few military and police personnel surrounded the building, yelling racial slurs like monkeys go back to Papua. And a long sort of standoff occurred and the crowd grew. There were reports of police firing and tear gas and Veronica posted a series of tweets. She was basically live tweeting information about the confrontation and it triggered a month of massive protests all th- throughout the archipelago. Government buildings and a prison were burnt down in Papua. The month of unrest, which ended up claiming around 60 civilian lives, was eventually quelled with a massive deployment of security forces and the arrest and indictment of protesters and allies, including Veronica, who um, was slapped with four separate charges relating to inciting violence, hate speech and broadcasting false information. Yeah, during that time, I have to admit that uh, I was uh, pretty uh, freaked out because the, the government also announced that they were going to cancel my passport, freeze my bank accounts. She was um, in Australia at the time, completing her Masters in Law at ANU in Canberra, and she said, I'm not going to go back, and she's been here ever since. My parents had to relocate for for a month because the police were looking for me. But I told them at the time that this was um, bigger than us. It's like people were literally being killed by Indonesian police and military. And if we didn't expose what was happening, then the uh, the, the the situation on the ground would would be even worse. We'll be back in a moment. 
The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for, please. <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy on yeah, this. If that's, no. if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Zach, we're talking about activist Veronica Komen, who is currently living in Australia. What are Indonesian authorities doing and and saying about her? Indonesian authorities have apparently submitted an application to put her on the Interpol red notice list for extradition, but we don't know if their application has been approved because, like, only a very small proportion of Interpol red notices are made public. Like, the vast majority of them are just restricted to law enforcement agencies. So, one, we don't know if Interpol have accepted the red notice and, two, the Australian government hasn't made any sort of comments about whether they would comply with the red notice if, if it exists. And beyond this alleged Interpol notice, what other pressures is Veronica under? So Veronica has been the victim of a, like abuse and threats online, murder threats, rape threats. She'll just, you know, daily receive messages and comments on social media smearing her and saying that she's a patsy of foreign interests who want to destabilise Indonesia and plunder its natural resources. Initially, in the uh, in the beginning, I hundreds of accounts saying that you have blood in your hands, and then uh, all these other attacks like uh, actually got me because you know when when you read something for hundreds of times, like uh, you just just get into your head. And the interesting thing about this is that it's not just abuse that's coming from sort of random nationalists in Indonesia. So late last year, a joint BBC Australian Strategic Policy Institute investigation revealed that media firms were coordinating a network of fake social media accounts to spread pro-government content on Papua and smearing Veronica and other activists. And investigation by Reuters this year also uncovered a network of pro-government news websites facilitated and funded by the Indonesian military. They, they really black campaign about me, about who I am. So people do not trust the information that I'm trying to disseminate. And it works to many, many Indonesians. I am this nasty, evil, provocateur woman. And so as this is happening, Zach, what is happening in Papua? I think what's happening at the moment is there is a confluence of um, political factors leading to this wave of protests in which the Indonesian government is proposing to extend this special autonomy law and December 1 is approaching, which is a date that the independence movement celebrates as Papuan Independence Day. So recently there's also been protests sparked by several killings, including that of a respected pastor. 
West Papua is so highly militarized right now. Like uh, the Jakarta keeps sending uh, troop, hundreds of uh, troops to West Papua. But then it's, I think it's because Jakarta is panicking. It's been very tense. I think the Indonesian government commissioned a sort of fact-finding team to look into the death of the pastor and a certain culpability and there was so much distrust in Papuan civil society that they created their own fact-finding team and the two fact-finding teams have returned with different facts and different findings. It's, so the freedom of expression and assembly in West Papua has always been bad, but I have never seen this bad in recent years. I think, I think this is the worst. So it doesn't seem likely that tensions are going to ease anytime soon. Given all of this then, what are Veronica's options? What does she see in her future? So she plans to keep doing what she's doing and it's going to be easier for her if she's not in jail. So she's planning to stay in Australia and keep doing it. Members of the Indonesian government and I think the East Java police have gone onto Indonesian television to sort of criticise her and say that she's sort of like a coward and and hypocritical. They say it's hypocritical for a lawyer to flee from the legal system she's worked in when it turns on her. But in response, Veronica says that it's actually her career working within the legal system that makes her afraid of it. As she describes it, she doesn't think there's any sort of effective separation of powers there and the legal system is often used as a political weapon. I have like my moral responsibility because I know what's happening there and have access to the information. So I have to get the information out because the uh, the key to combat the impunity in West Papua is to expose what's happening there because no one knows. Zach, thank you for your time today. No worries, thank you. Winnie Dunn has made a career out of helping others find their literary voice, and now it's her turn in the spotlight. This week on Read This, join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Winnie about her debut. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, the New South Wales Chief Health Officer has said that the state has met Queensland's criteria of 28 days without unlinked community transmission of COVID-19 before the border could reopen. The New South Wales Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, said that some state premiers are making up the advice as we go. Queensland's Premier is yet to respond. And further easing of restrictions have taken place in New South Wales, with up to 3,000 people now allowed to attend an outdoor concert. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.